This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to Hits Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today I have a new guest with me. I have Brian Green from Arizona. It's DPS, right, Brian? Yes, yes, sir. Department of Public Safety. So uh, Brian and I met at Hits probably, what, two, three years ago at least now? I uh, yeah, it was the St. Louis trip. It was, it was even longer ago than that. And that's one of the cool things about Hits that I always tell everybody is there's a lot of networking that goes on at Hits, and I, I take advantage of that networking too, so I've been fortunate. I got to... I've got to meet people from all over the world and all over the country. And then Brian and I uh, touch base different times about different training scenarios and bounce ideas off each other because um, uh, maybe Brian isn't the the person who's out on the, the speaking tour or doing a lot of podcasts, but he's real busy and I've, I've learned some pretty cool stuff from him. So if uh, you don't mind, Brian, just take a few minutes to tell um, you know, our listeners your, your background and what you do right now and stuff. Well, I'm uh, with the Department of Public Safety. I've been with them for 20 years now. Uh, of that, 16 was in the uh, canine unit. Uh, for the last uh, uh, five years, I've been the supervisor over the training section. We're a 34-dog uh, program that uh, focuses on criminal interdiction with patrol dogs, as well as EOD and uh, SWAT and also our gang unit now has a couple of dogs. So we're pretty diverse on the type of dogs that we train and, and, and what we're training for. Um, I have a, a group of guys that uh, we basically go around the state and uh, make sure that the dogs are certified and uh, trained properly and, and uh, put them through different scenarios to try to make them a little bit better at the end of the day. Awesome. So I know you, you your your title's Department of Public Safety, but just for our listeners who might not be familiar with that, that's basically state police? Uh, state troopers state is troopers. what we go by now, yeah. yes. Um, gave us a little bit more clarity. Yeah, So, but it's it's a, it's a police force. You, your, your jurisdiction's a whole state. So 34 dogs is a, is a decent size uh, unit. That gives you a lot of experience because you're, you're training the new dogs at the beginning too, I assume? Yes, we're uh, purchasing uh, dogs uh, from Europe, uh, both uh, green as well as titled, and then uh, finish them off with uh, detection work, patrol work, that sort of thing, um, getting them up and certified, and then you know just continuing their weekly maintenance training to to make them a little bit better. Sure, and with thirty four dogs, you're probably uh, probably in a training cycle and a purchasing cycle pretty much year round, aren't you? Yes, yes. It's uh, right now. Uh, we just uh, purchased four new dogs in uh, January, and and that's pretty consistent. Well, about every uh, four to six months, we're buying you know three or four dogs, and then and getting them through the program with patrol and detection work, and then starting over. Yeah, and it, as well as doing all the maintenance training for the other dogs at the same time. Yes. Uh huh. Are you are you handling a dog now too, or is it just the training is full time? I handle a uh, patrol and EOD dog. So two dogs, yes. Uh, no, one dog oh, doing okay. the uh, uh, both patrol and EOD. Oh, okay, so, all right. Outstanding. Do you get out on the road very much, or are you more stuck training? Uh, a little bit. Uh, like I said, we you know we are an interdiction type of uh, unit, and so the, I do get uh, a couple days every month to go out and work the road and see what guys are getting into. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, seeing how we can make our dogs better, where we might be getting beat and, you know, where we're having successes to, to continue things on. So here's a question then, um, with, with an EOD dog and you're doing interdiction, are you figuring out ways to incorporate the EOD part of that when you're doing interdiction? No, not at all. Uh, I just basically go out when the guys are are working and, and, you know, it's as much just to kind of see how things are going with their dogs, how we can improve what they're doing um, as it is to, to go out and just work and and, and make traffic stops. Uh, But as far as the EOD, they've kicked some ideas around, but you know, essentially you're, you're working a dog that is alerting to items that are, are legal, you know, with the black powder and the smoke powder, smokeless and, And there's been discussion on on uh, working stuff uh, heading into Mexico, but that's that's never come uh, yeah. uh, come uh, to fruition. Yeah, I haven't heard of anybody doing it around anywhere, but I just figured. I know you guys are busy, and you have a a pretty uh, a, a busy interdiction unit. I, I know you guys get a lot of stuff going north, so that yes. might be might be interesting. So um, one of the reasons I want to bring you on is uh, you know we you, like I said uh, you and I talk a couple times throughout the year. It seems like we bounce a few ideas off. And I'm starting a new uh, uh, show that I'm going to do once in a while here on this podcast where I'm going to bring people uh, that, you know, again, I'm fortunate. I get to talk to people from all over the world. I, I talk to these people, and as I say, you know, you get a network, it hits. And when you're doing that, inevitably, you you get to share some ideas that maybe maybe some people do, maybe some people don't. But I like the idea of pulling out some, some more unique ideas or some more unique training concepts that aren't as widely known that I could do, you know, a twenty-minute show on and just share share with you know my listeners the types of things that that you get it that you get to hear, you know, when you when you talk to a lot of different people. So I know that it's been probably I think maybe at least two two and a half years ago that you and I talked about imprinting the bomb dogs. So let's talk about that first because I learned that from you and it's worked out real well. So for our listeners, I'll just uh, mention Brian Brian and I talked about training bomb dogs and um, the the conversation was about that some of our dogs had difficulty with a certain odor. So if you want to take it from there, Brian, just kind of tell me what you learned and and, uh, what we've changed since then. Okay. So uh, the the main odor uh, that we're talking about is black powder. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, EOD uh, trainers would kind of equate that like your, your marijuana or heroin. It's a very, a uh, very strong odor. And uh, what we ran into was that uh, there were so many different brands of black powder that the uh, the mix of the two main substances in black powder, the potassium nitrate and the sulfur varied. And we could never determine uh, why dogs would alert to uh, one brand of black powder and, and not the other. And a lot of the conclusion came up that it was the sulfur that the dogs were hitting on because that's the, the stronger odor. Um, some training, uh, was done, uh, back East and, uh, they determined that, uh, if we could introduce the potassium nitrate off the black powder to the dogs, uh, exclusively, then it would help cover all the different brands, uh, and, and variations of sulfur. And in fact, we did that and it was very successful, um, uh, for the dogs. And it, it essentially eliminated us having to go to brand to brand to brand and making sure the dogs were trained up on them because the, uh, of the sulfur variations, they were being able to get imprinted on the potassium nitrate itself. And, and it covered all those different avenues. So really it's, it's very similar in like people who, who talk about pseudo, you know, you're hitting a target odor that, that you want the dog to hit, you know, when you're imprinting them. So it's the yes. um, same concept. And I know that when you and I first talked about that, it was like, 
wow, now I understand something because my own dog, you know, I haven't seen it with every dog. I've seen some dogs that hit all black powder, but my own dog probably a week or two before you and I talked about this, um, he's, a, a, he's a nice dog and has absolutely no issues with his odors. And uh, one day on a group train scenario, someone had put out, I think it was one or two pounds of black powder. And he kind of worked it like a novel odor and turned around and walked it, but didn't really stay with it. And I, you know, I couldn't figure out why. And I thought, well, maybe the, maybe the air is not there. Maybe. And they said, no, all the other dogs are hitting it. So couldn't figure out why. And that's funny, you know, about two weeks later, you called me and we were talking about something else and this gets brought up. So we uh, took that dog and I, I, I bought the, the potassium nitrate, which you can buy online, you can just go to uh, to skylighter.com and you can buy um, pharmaceutical grade potassium nitrate. Cost about, I think it was ten bucks for a pound. They'll ship it right to you. And uh, I re-imprinted my dog on that potassium nitrate. I've not had an issue with any any brand of black powder since then. Yes, and and the thing of it is 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 with the uh, uh, when you certify a bomb dog, the first thing they tell you afterwards is, hey make sure you run everybody's odors because all the odors are a little bit different. And this was one of the main reasons why, because, you know, brand X uh, may have, you know, just a little bit more, more sulfur and it, it confuses the dogs uh, because it's a, yeah. it's an over abundant, uh, strong odor. Um, but yeah, that by putting them on the potassium nitrate, it eliminated a lot of issues that we had and, and, and the dogs were hitting it much better. You know, I, I'd love to take credit for it, but you know, if anybody ever wants the the research that was done, I'd be happy to provide them with it. Um, you know, much like most of the canine training, you know, people steal stuff, and I, I stole this from a, a handler from back east, and and he was very knowledgeable on it, and I gave it a try, and and it worked great. And, you know, try to pass on as much info as we can to make and the dogs I'll, better. And I'll put your your contact information in the show notes, and I have it also because you shared the the study with me. So if anybody wants to email either one of us. I'm happy to forward the study on to you, but there's obviously some science behind it. And just from, from a dumb, dumb dog guy like me, I can tell you it, that worked fine there. Um, I'll, I want to mention something there that you, that you touched on, just kind of expand on is the importance of, of training, especially, I think, especially with a bomb dog is training with other, other agencies and using their, their training aids, if nothing else. I mean, we we're fortunate where I'm at and we have a group of in the metro area here of, there's probably about 30 people in, in an uh, explosive group that um, at any given Wednesday, there's probably maybe between half a dozen to a dozen of us that train pretty regularly together. Besides going to new venues and setting up some new training, I think one of the most valuable parts of it is that I get to use, and my you know all the other people in my unit, we get to use different training aids from different places. So regardless of what I've done to my aids to accidentally contaminate them or screw them up in whatever way, which we all do in some manner, at least there's a the continuous source of odor is going to be the same, you know, when you get to use a lot of different aids with diff- different people. So I assume you guys have, you know, so many different uh, opportunities, you know, just statewide, you probably get to do that a lot. Yeah. And that's one thing I, you know, with EOD or bomb dog handlers that I really like is, is the networking everybody's is wanting to, to share the, the odors and, 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 and work together to make a better product. And I, we haven't had any issues, everything from, you know, working dogs, um, um, that are food reward and, and, and all the way down to the toy and the ball drive and stuff that they have different odors, different philosophies, but essentially, you know, if somebody's putting it out and you're getting the opportunity to run it. You're going to just make your dog a little bit better at the end of the day. 
Exactly. And I think the drug dogs, the advantage they have is they're finding real drugs. And, you know, we don't, luckily in the world we live in, we don't find a lot of bombs, and which I don't want to. But the day we start finding right. a lot of bombs, I'm not a bomb dog handler anymore. So <laughs> kind of scared I of those agree things. With you. <laughs> I agree with you there. So I think, you know, it's, it's vitally, vitally important if you're out there and you're listening and you're working a, a single or a dual purpose bomb dog. You know, if nothing, if you take nothing else from this show, you know, hang up. Uh, hang up the show or stop listening to the show and uh, grab the phone and look through your contacts and figure out on your next training day who can you use their bomb motors and share yours with them. And and you guys you have to mix it up because if you use the same motors for you know five, six, seven years because some of us don't get a buy odors every year um, or even if you could change them out every year if the way you're storing them, whatever you're doing that's similar might be different than the, the terrorists that plants it in your city. So Make sure right. you're, you're doing a lot of different odors all the time. While we're still on bomb dogs, do you have any other uh, quick little tidbits that you like to do with your bomb dogs? You know, uh, we do a, uh, like a lot of bomb dogs, we do a lot of preventative, um, uh, you know, precautionary. Sure. So ahead of a dignitary or ahead of an event and stuff like that. So, you know, we spend a lot of time practicing a lot of negatives. And, you know, when I've worked with guys that have had, uh, a narcotics dog, you know, their, their assumption is after 45 seconds or, or two minutes that we should have a find. And, you know, it's not uncommon for, you know, us on a bomb dog to, to run a, you know, two, three hour sniff and hopefully you're not finding anything. Sure, and, sure. and so we, we spend a lot of time, you know, once we know the dogs are on odor is, is doing a lot of negatives where, you know, they're going to go out and, and they're going to search for 45 minutes. They're going to search for an hour and they're going to put the dog away with, with nothing you know, and, and then building those dogs up to that, you know, that's something that's completely acceptable for them to do. Yeah. And, um, I think a lot of agencies, if you're not practicing that regularly and you get put in that arena that, Hey, you know, so-and-so is coming to town and we need to have this, uh, area cleared. If you're not practicing working large areas with, without fines, you're going to, you're going to run into a problem, uh, with the dogs, you know, getting that interval, uh, reinforcement schedule where they're, we're expecting a toy by now, or I should have that fine by now because that's what you always yep. plan for. So exactly. that's, that's one of the things we're big with as well. When you do those, do you guys ever experiment with like drop, drop aids or anything? Like I, I, I like to use, uh, you know, different things, but one of the things I do is I'll, I'll use, uh, some cotton balls that I've scented with, uh, usually it's black powder and I'll just kind of shake, shake and bake them with, them and then I have a couple of cotton balls that I can at least, throw out into a trash can or throw somewhere. So towards the end of the search, I can kind of circle back and at least, you know, end on something like that. Do you guys ever play with stuff like that? Yeah. A lot of times, you know, with, with the bomb text, they'll, they'll bring a small odor and they'll set it out or, or we'll have it, you know, if we know that a dog, Hey, he's starting to have a problem at, you know, say, you know, the seven or eight minute mark, you know, we'll, we'll start getting, uh, past that and then finding it and then extending his searches that way with those, with, with drop odors and yeah. stuff like you're talking. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I've had good luck with like cotton balls, and you know, you got proof your dog off cotton balls. Then, but I've had, I've had good luck with that because then you can you can throw them somewhere, and then you don't have to worry about losing them or anybody picking them up or whatever. And th- there's plenty of odor on them, so it's just kind of a good yeah. way to, to keep your dog motivated on those long searches. Because that it, that was something you know I've been handling a bomb dog down for about five years, and that was different than any of the other dogs I've handled is the the length of searches without without finding anything and, and kind of practicing right. that. And I think we're yeah. guilty of that. Um, in our, our training, even our training group, sometimes I think we'll, you know, we did training yesterday and I think uh, we did, I think we had four fines and, you know, the total training time might have been, total search time might have been 45 minutes per dog, maybe, you know, so uh-huh. 
I think yeah. we think we're guilty of not not taking that extra time to do a a very very long search. But, and I, I think handlers, you know, if they're paying attention to their dog, they're going to know where that time frame is. It, it doesn't take long when, you know, when you are, you know, behind the, the dog, you know, six or 10 foot and he's doing all this uh, sniffing. And then suddenly you're now even with him and you're having to cast him on everything. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a pretty good idea right there that yeah. hey, he's he's wearing out and, and he's losing interest. What am I going to do to to keep this going? Yep, so. exactly. That's a good point. So then uh, we also were talking uh, just recently about another, which I think is a great idea. I've mentioned to a few people. Some people do it. Some people don't. But we, I had never done it, and I thought you had a, a real good idea about uh, securing some some training vehicles. So can you kind of tell me what you were, were came up with of that? So, yeah. So uh, we, we call it roadside scenarios. And um, basically it's, you know, scenario based training, like we focus on in patrol so frequently, but it's with a, uh, detection or, uh, a narcotics twist to it. So we, uh, we go get vehicles, um, and, and, and they're real easy to, to find, uh, uh, you know, there's always that guy in, in your squad or in your area that knows somebody at a car dealership, and we've not had any issues with it. Basically, these are trade-in vehicles that have, you know, they've been on the road, and and we we uh, borrow them, and we, we drive them on a road, and we make uh, simulated traffic stops or set it up like a, a, uh, a, f- um, a backup of an officer, and we have the, uh, the dogs come out and, and run the vehicle like they made the traffic stop or they're or, uh, assisting another officer which is a great idea because you're getting a, a car that people were driving around probably the day before that or two days before that it's a car that's going to go to auction so it doesn't matter if it gets a little beat up i assume um, yeah and it, we kind of created this uh this started you know if if you're ever standing around and talking to narcotics uh, handlers one of the first things they always say is Man, my dog looks so great in training, but on the roadside, um, you know, he doesn't do as well or he's distracted yeah. or, or I can't seem to get him focused on the sniff. Yep. And, and so we did some research and I, you know, one of the, one of the guys you guys have had on here, uh, Scott Clappenbach, we've talked to him, who's a, a wealth of knowledge and started, you know, talking about this. And essentially what this is called is, is context shift. And, and the way it works is, is if you think about when that dog was imprinted and going through its basic detection school, you know, what's going on? Well, the guys show up at a tow yard. Um, it's a dusty or, or, or dirty environment with cars that have been sitting there for who knows how long. You know, somebody puts uh, odor out and everybody sits around and waits for 20 or 30 minutes for that odor to, to set. Why they are, there's five or six cars pulled up next to each other, dogs barking at each other. The handlers are outside, usually having a good time, laughing or joking or telling stories or, yep. you know, doing all the things that they do. Somebody's probably eating. And then, you know, it, it's just a, a relaxed environment. Handler pulls a dog out. You know, the cars are parked next to each other. So a dog walks between cars and, and the other dogs are barking at it. He runs his uh, uh, group of cars and then he puts that, uh, that dog away. And then the next guy goes. And by the time, you know, the whole training group goes, there's a nice strong odor on the ground uh, from dogs sitting or, or walking back and forth and, and so on. And that goes on for however many weeks this detection school is. Then they say, hey, you know what? You're certified. Uh, good luck to you. And uh, your first case, you might pull up to a convenience store where they've already got somebody stopped. You're pulling this dog out. 
You've got, you know, the lights, the adrenaline going from uh, officers. You got the the bad guy there and you're going to try to run your dog on it, uh, an environment that he's probably never seen. Exactly. So what we did was we tried to uh, create as close of a resemblance to real life scenarios as we could. So, you know, we'll put a car out on the interstate or on a, on a road uh, uh, with a backup officer there that's standing there with somebody and ask the officer to pull up behind it, get out and run his dog and, you know, Hey, thumbs up. It's an alert or, you know, I got nothing and, and, and call it that way. Um, and it's given us uh, an opportunity to really see the dogs with the distractions that go out on, on the roadside, you know, vehicles uh, going by the, the narrow uh, 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 median and shoulders yeah. that, that, that the guys are working on and, and, you know, people coming in and out of uh, uh, convenience stores while they're working. And it's, it's made our handlers better and it's allowed us as trainers to say, okay, these were the faults of the handler. These are the faults of the hand, uh, dog that we need to, to focus on. Um, you know, and, and it's, a, uh, it's really pushed our guys to, to, be, to be better, you know, sure. uh, and we, we start this actually in the patrol or I'm sorry, the narcotics schools themselves. We don't wait till after, you know, weekly maintenance training. This is a, a common thing just because that's where our guys are working. Yeah. You know, if, if you're, if you're getting a patrol dog up and running, you know, you're going to put him in the environments and, and run uh, scenarios that he's going to be in. Why not do the same thing with, uh, narcotics sure. dogs yeah get get used to what the game's really going to be not the the perfect scenario when you're in a, a car pound right i, I personally I, I hate training at the car pound or a tow lot i just i can't stand it it's yeah it's yep. such a sterile environment i also don't like to train in old old empty buildings you know for patrol because for the exact same reason you know i mean right just not not very realistic and, and, and in doing this, sometimes, you know, if, you, if things, you know, we do a lot of, uh, of negatives where they're going to get their dog out and they're, they're not going to have a find. Um, and then if, you know, you know, for the uh, instructor that really wants to, to see how things go when his, uh, his handler is stressed, you know, you, you make a mock traffic stop. And, and when he gets up to the vehicle, there might be a supervisor or administrator in the vehicle that he's going to pull out and stuff. And that really gets you a, oh, a yeah. good idea how, <laughs> how he's going to, how he's going to uh, function when he's going to have to uh, deal with the stress of a traffic stop. You know, you're basically recreating it by, by adding somebody that uh, yeah. wasn't prepared to see. Yeah. So, make, make him work right in front of the supervisor. That's pretty, yeah. pretty interesting idea. I had never thought of that, but <laughs> I mean, I like it for the training t standpoint. I imagine the handlers aren't so crazy about it when it happens. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, you know and, and at first they're not, you know, but like anything in, in canine training, when you try something new, everybody fights it. After a, a certain period of time and they start noticing, hey, there, it's no longer my dog looks great on training days, but he looks great all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, suddenly they, when their dog looks better and, and they look better as a team, then that training was uh, acceptable sure. uh, and, and and you don't have so much, uh, you know, uh, oh, yeah. pushback. Yeah. Like you say, the new, we don't like new things a lot of times as cops. <laughs> Correct. Those are, those are, I think really easy, uh, pretty easy things to implement, but, you know, for the bomb dogs, you can, you know, if you, if you like the idea, you can, uh, for probably about 10 or 15 bucks, you can buy some potassium nitrate. Very easy. Um, go make uh, some friends at any car dealership and, borrow their cars i think those are two pretty easy ways that maybe some people are doing those maybe they aren't um but i, yeah. I appreciate uh you know you and i bouncing those ideas off you know i learned those from you and i appreciate you coming on here just to uh kind of share those and 
for my listeners, I'm gonna, uh, I, I mentioned I'm going to start doing this on a somewhat regular basis. So if you're listening to this, I don't care if you've been a trainer for 25 years or you've been a handler for two years, everybody has a couple of cool things that you know they've either thought up their own or they've, they've stolen from somebody or whatever. But if you're doing something unique out there, you know, look at the show notes or uh, email me from there or just uh, email me at jeff at hitscanine.net, hitscanine.net. And, uh, you know, let me know what you're doing and maybe we can get you on here too because this is all about sharing good ideas in a quick, timely fashion for other handlers. So, Brian, I sure appreciate you taking the time to do this and hopefully I'll see you at uh, Hits. We're going to be in your backyard there in uh, Scottsdale in August. So hopefully see you and some of your uh, handlers there. Yep, will do. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for the time. Thank you. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come to HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come to HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there too.